Good, 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 good. Why don't we talk about prophetic evangelism? Prophetic evangelism. Before we get started, uh, let me share a little bit of my story. Uh, my, my story is that um, I started off uh, in the prophetic really around the time, same time I got saved. I had a pretty dramatic encounter with Christ. Um, I won't share. It's such a long story. If I share, it's going to take half of the time. Uh, but it was pretty dramatic, and after that, God began to speak to me prophetically. I didn't know it was prophetic. Uh, the only type of kind of minister I ever heard of was just a pastor. Um, occasionally, we have an evangelist come through our church, and so I knew there were pastors and evangelists, but I didn't know there were prophets or apostles. I didn't understand that. I mean, for years, I thought an epistle was a wife and an apostle. You know, I didn't... <laughs> I didn't really know it more than that. Uh, so, um, but God touched me and I began to speak to people. And I didn't have, to be honest, my parents, we didn't go to church very often. So a lot of where I spoke prophetically to people were, was in school and outside of school. It was after playing basketball with some of my friends. In other words, it happened out. It happened outside of the church walls. And so that's where I was used to actually using the prophetic gift. And it wasn't until college that it actually got identified. Like, my friend said, we think that you're prophetic. And I said, oh, what is that? Like, what do you mean? Like the Old Testament prophets? And it's like, I don't really see myself as being mean like that. You know what I mean? Like, some of them would come and just pronounce judgment or something. I was like, I, I, I didn't know much about the Bible then either. And so I was like, prophetic, what does this mean? And all it says is you just, you can hear God and speak to people. I said, oh, yeah, but can't everybody do that? That's what I thought. Every, that should be for everyone. And you know what? That, that particular mentality and mindset I've carried with me. And that's why, you know, I started off with having a weekend seminar called Spiritual Operations. Some of you have been here. Anyone been here to that Spiritual Operations? And I, I said, I'm going to, because I believe every person should be able to hear God's voice and be able to obey God and see powerful things take place. Uh, I really just took this whole Jesus thing, you know, being and walking like Jesus serious. Like, we should actually do that. Not only should we reflect the character of God, but also the power of God. You know, it says in the scripture that Christ has been made unto us wisdom and power. And so that's what I did. And it was interesting when I finally met uh, Pastor Jim Critcher and also Pastor Jim, they asked me, they said, where have you been practicing your prophetic at? And I said, with unbelievers. They said, what? Are you serious? I was like, yeah, not in conferences or anything like that. But I've, I walk, I've walked around and talked to people and and that's where I've, my prophetic gift has gotten stronger. That's where I've developed it. And they were like, wow. Now, because of that, I violated some prophetic protocol over the years. <laughs> Didn't know there were certain things I weren't, I was, I was, I should not have done and certain things that I should have done, you know, that I'm going to talk to you about now. Uh, like, for instance, you know, one guy, I uh, was talking with him and, and he was, uh, God actually, God gave me a, a vision. This was literally a week after I got born again, and 
and got filled with the Holy Spirit like a day or so afterwards. And I, had a, I was on a bus ride home from basketball practice, and God gave me a vision of this guy. And I saw his bedroom. I even saw the color carpet he had and some of the, the walls. And, and I saw his dresser, and I saw his parents come into his room, and they put drugs in his dresser. And, uh, and so I didn't know that, you know, there's certain ways that you put things. You don't just come out and say. So I just came out to this friend. His name was Joey. And I said, Joey, do your parents hide drugs in your dresser? Just like that. And he was like, what? <laughs> and he said, how did you know that? And I said, wow, how did I know that? That's pretty, <laughs> pretty crazy. I mean, I'm only, a, I'm only like eight days in the Lord. And, uh, and, then all, and then I heard the voice of God inside of me tell him I know everything about him, and I love him, and I, wanna, I, and I want him to know me. That was it. Uh, at that time, I wish, I wish that I knew the gospel the way I know it now, because then I could have presented that to him. And one of the things about the prophetic is a lot of times we get so enamored with the word that we don't actually share the gospel. And it's the gospel that is going to bring about the eternal change. You know, the, 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 the word can bring about a life change, but the gospel brings about an eternal change. I'm getting ahead of myself here, but, you know, those are, that was my experience with it. Um, initial experience with prophetic evangelism just lost people all around me. I'll never forget one time I was in college and I wasn't um, being discipled at the time. I was kind of disconnected from the church, but... The, the gift was working, and uh, I was having fun playing and talking with some of my friends. We're playing cards. You know, we, in college, we played spades. We had these spades tournaments sometimes, and we were, we were, having, we were playing spades, and someone asked this question about, about God, and I'll never forget, all of a sudden, like, the Holy Spirit fell in the room, and I started talking to them about their lives. And they were like, how do you know this? And I was like, God's, I guess God is speaking to me now about you. And because I was disconnected from church and I didn't understand the gospel, all I did was basically, it, was, it became a sign and a wonder to them. And they were like, wow, like where do you go to church? I was like, uh-oh, I'm not in church. Well, can we, do you know anyone else we could talk to about this more? I was like, no, I don't. I didn't have the sense to know at that time I could actually start some type of Bible study or a group with them. I didn't know. You know, and I look back on those opportunities and, you know, it's praise God. That was my freshman year. So by my senior year, a lot of them got connected with Bible studies. Praise God. But, you know, that was one of those moments that was just a seed moment. You know, for them to experience God, but I wish I knew what to do with the prophetic. It's not just prophecy, but it's bringing people into a process with God. You're not just, a lot of times prophetic people get caught up in the, in the moment and just, I just want to release the power. But you're also not just looking for the power, but the process. Because you want people to be, you want, them to, you want it to be fruit that remains. So what I want to talk about very briefly in this um, next few minutes here, in our next 20 or so minutes, is uh, Jesus at the well. 
I want to talk, I want to look at the scripture and just kind of teach out of that. Jesus at the well. A lot of times we talk, we, we look at that story and we say the woman at the well. Right. But when we're looking at it from a prophetic evangelistic perspective, we're looking at Jesus at the well. What is it that Jesus did? What are some lessons we can learn from this? So I want us to look at uh, John chapter 4. If you can open your Bibles and look at John chapter 4 here. We're going to kind of walk through this. John 4. I believe we'll go to like verse 20 or something like that. John 4. Why don't we start in um, verse 6 and 7. We're just going to read those two. Actually, let me give you a quick disclaimer real quick before we get into those particular verses where this story starts. What you learn about what Jesus did, and um, I, I want to frame kind of this whole moment with him. How many of you have ever heard of the salt method? Salt. Start a conversation. What's the next one? Ask questions, listen, and tell the story. That's exactly what Jesus did. Prophetic evangelism functions within the salt method. You know, and I I want you to hear that's very important. And this is the reason why. These are some key things we're going to see in this story. Is that Jesus is, the the conversation that he entered into gave him an opportunity to wait for God. When you're having a conversation with someone, while you're talking with them, you could be having an inner dialogue with God. You could literally be waiting on God to give you something for them. And I think that's a very important thing. Looking to just come up to someone before you've, you know, before you've ever met them and you kind of get trying to pray and get a word for them before you met them. You don't always have to do that. that. In fact, most of the time, that's not the case for me. I'll be in a conversation with someone and it's in that conversation as I'm allowing my ears to be attentive to God, my eyes to be open that God actually speaks in the middle of that conversation. That's important for us to understand and, and, and realize Because if we think that we always have to get this strong burden of a word before we go and talk to someone and exercise prophetic evangelism, then I think we're going to miss out on most of the opportunities that God has for us regarding prophetic evangelism and seeing people come to Christ. So conversations give that opportunity for us to wait on God. Next one is ask questions, right? Listen to this. Prophetic questions can unlock things just as much as prophetic words. Have you ever had anyone ask you a question and it just unlocks something in your heart? It's like, wow, I just never thought about that. You know, I remember walking recently with my friend and I said, I just said said this. It might have sound like it was a, it was a regular old question that you would normally ask, but I just said, I said, hey, what do you want to do what do you think God will call you to do in 10 years? And man, when, when I said that word, as soon as I said that word, this is what happened. God gave me the answer for him. He literally gave me a prophetic picture for him. It's amazing. It didn't come before the conversation, but as I was in the conversation and I asked the question, something came up. And a lot of times I've been, I've been, as I've been doing prophetic evangelism, 
what happens is I'll just start to ask people questions. And sometimes I don't even have to prophesy over them. Just the question enough gets lodged into their spirit. And they can't shake it. It just keeps coming back to them over and over again. It's like the word of the Lord just coming. It's like I gotta get, I have to get this question answered. It's a powerful thing. So ask questions. And then the last thing here, listen. Is when we listen, it provides access to um, another person's spiritual and emotional condition. This is very powerful. You have to hear this. John 6.63. If you want to write that down, Jesus says this. My words are spirit and life. In other words, what's inside of a word? Thoughts, feelings, emotions, the essence of that person. That's what he's saying. The essence of who I am is inside of my words. So it only makes sense that if as you're in a conversation with someone, that you would be able to, if you're tuned in to assess their spiritual and emotional condition. Now, this is not like psychobabble or psychology or counseling, but it's being able to literally go past what they're actually saying into what the Spirit, what the Spirit would literally give you or the picture that the Spirit would give you about their condition, their heart condition. That's a powerful thing, and that's what you'll find in conversation. Another scripture that talks about this is 1 John 4.4. John tells the church, to test the spirits by the spirit. And he says to do that through the words that have been spoken. If anyone says this, they say they're a Christian, but they're not proclaiming Christ. They're, not, they're really not. And so he's saying literally, again, a person's words can literally give us access or understanding into where they are. And that's a powerful thing. So with that, I, want, I wanted that salt to frame the backdrop of what Jesus is getting ready to do here. So can we have you read, you mind reading verses 6 and 7? Okay. Um, excuse me, 6. Jacob's well was there, was there. Jesus sat down by the well because he was tired from traveling. The time was about 6 o'clock in the evening. A Samaritan woman went to get some water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink of water. His disciples had gone into the city to buy some food. All right. So here's the first thing you have to hear about prophetic evangelism. In those two verses, Jesus was what? He was tired and hungry. Jesus was tired and hungry. The first thing you need to understand about prophetic evangelism is that oftentimes God will choose to prompt us at inconvenient times. Oh, you don't want to hear that, do you? That is simply the truth. It is when you're in a rush to get to a class. It is when you're in a rush to go somewhere. It is when you need to, you know, do something that all of a sudden these particular things happen. It happened. This was inconvenient for Jesus. He wasn't at full strength. Even though he was fully God, he was also fully man. And he, it says that he was tired and weary and hungry. And he even asked her, give me a drink. There's so many times I've seen this. Like, I'll never forget. I was, listen, 
this is, the, this is amazing. I was on my way to a prayer meeting. And you know what? Guess who was leading that prayer meeting? Me. I was on my way to a prayer meeting, and God, I felt him prompt me and nudge me and tell me to talk to this particular young lady. And I was like, well, God, all the excuses came. God, I got to get to that prayer meeting. You know, I need to be an example to the people. You know, I need to get there on time. I, I, I have to, you know, we need to pray because there are things you want to break down on this campus. It was in the campus setting. And so, God, we want to break these things. So, God, I need to go to that prayer meeting. And you know what he said? He said, tell your student leaders to lead the prayer meeting. They'll be okay. He said, you need to talk to her. So I said, okay, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that. So I just, I, I told the student leaders, I, I'll be there. I'll join you when I can. But God is prompting me to actually talk to this young lady and to share the gospel with her in some way. And I feel like there's a word stirring. Now, here's what you have to hear. A few things. Number one, God said, Reggie, you're actually being a good example to them that sometimes I come in inconvenient times and they need to go ahead and do what, obey me in those moments. And then he said, too, as, I was, as that thing was stirring, I, I didn't even know exactly what, what I was going to say. But what I did is I started the conversation, and as I started the conversation, man, so much light came, so much grace came at that moment, and I started to talk to her. It turns out she was an administrator of that school, one of the key administrators of the college. And I started talking to her about her life, her relationships, and what God's getting ready to do, and how God wanted to restore and do some things in her life. And, man, she started to tear up right there. She gave her life to Christ at that moment. It was powerful. And I just thought, man, I'm so glad I missed that prayer meeting. You know, even though a lot of work was done in that prayer meeting, I told them, pray for me. So they were helping me to do what I was doing. But it was, it was an inconvenient time. I wish I could stand up here and tell you, guys, every time it's been inconvenient, I've made the decision to talk to that person. No, sorry. You know, if, if you believe that that's been the case for me, you'd be very disappointed. But I can tell you that there are many times where I've said, you know what? This is more important at this particular time. God is calling me to this, so I am going to talk to that particular person. So don't be surprised if it comes at an inconvenient time. If it comes in a situation that may not seem the best situation for you, but for that person, it can change them for eternity. So just keep eternity in mind as you're thinking about prophetic evangelism and God using you beyond the walls of the church. What it's going to take is going to take you being available. It's going to take you being attentive. And it's going to take you being self-controlled. That's what it's going to take. Can we have somebody read 6, 7, and 8 here? Why don't we have this? We'll go to the next Same thing we just read. Oh, okay. Um, presently, when a woman of Samar Samaria came along a draw to draw water, Jesus said to her, Give me a drink, for his disciples had gone off into the town to buy food. All right, so here's the thought. Here's the thought here. <laughs> In prophetic evangelism, 
we should let God choose the person and not our personal biases. Let me just say this. There are so many times where I feel more familiar and more comfortable talking to a particular person, right? And, you know, perhaps, you know, there was one time we were in Jamaica, and there was these upstanding guys, and, you know, they were dressed well and all that, and I thought, I'm going to go talk to them. That was a personal bias because I thought, you know I mean, I can, I can talk to them, I can relate to them. Then when they, there were these guys that were smoking weed, I'm just being honest. This was, on, this was at the University of West Indies. And they were smoking weed and just talking and all that. And I went to go talk to th- that person that I thought, you know, I'm naturally drawn towards. And, and they just kind of shut me down. I went over and talked to the weed smokers. Now, they hadn't gotten too far into the weed where they were, like, out of it. You know what I mean? <laughs> but I went, I, I went to go talk with them. And you know what happened is that one of them just, he stopped and he said, man, I know this is God. And we talked and I said, let's meet again and talk again. The next time he had some friends around him and we preached the gospel to them and he gave his life to Christ. It's just amazing, but not the guy I would have talked to. There was another instance, my first kind of encounter as a campus minister with this guy named Stacy. Stacy was a real buff guy. I mean, muscles just coming out of everywhere. And I saw him getting on the elevator into this dorm, and he had the meanest face on. I mean, just as mean like he wanted to eat somebody. You know what I mean? That type of mean. And I remember looking around, and I knew God wanted me to talk to somebody. And I thought, I want to go talk to that young lady over there because she looks happy. (laughs) This guy looks like he's going to kill somebody. And God, God said, no, 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 I want you to talk to him. And I said, well, he, he looks like he would be very bothered if I go and talk to him. <laughs> I said, so let me talk to her. He said, no, you need to talk to him. I said, okay, I'm going to go over and talk to him. And I said, hey, man, um, you know, I just, how, how are you doing? Good. What, 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 where are you headed to? What are you up to? He kind of looked at me and said, uh, just going up to my room. I said, I. I knew it. You're busy. So God said, well, ask her to meet with him. I said, well, man, can you go to lunch? Can we get, get, grab lunch sometime? And I'll even, I'll buy, it'll be my treat. He said, sure. I was like, okay. So we made an appointment and we had lunch together. And I started sharing with him my testimony. And I listen, you got to hear this. Prophetic evangelism is not always having a word. It's also being able to share your testimony in an effective, powerful way. Why? Because the spirit of prophecy is what? The testimony of Jesus. That's what the scripture says in Revelation. So literally, anytime you share a testimony with someone, do you know the scripture says you're prophesying to them that this can happen to you? What happened to me can happen to you. What happened to me can happen to you. Anytime you're sharing a testimony... So I literally, that was prophetic evangelism. I started prophesying to him. And you know what happened is when I finished, that was the first time that ever happened to me. When I finished sharing my testimony, I said, do you want this to happen to you? He said, yes. And he gave his life to Christ at that particular moment. And it was like a few days later, he got baptized in the Holy Spirit. The first guy ever discipled on the college campus. 
And he just called me two weeks ago. He said, he said, Reggie, I'm getting married, and we've done this thing the right way. You know, he's serving God. He's a part of a church. You know, he's actually, you know, he's actually supporting campus ministers now. I mean, he's really invested. He's a doctor. He's doing exceptionally well, loving Jesus. He said, I'm loving my life groups, Reggie. They're just like those groups we had in college. Still serving God years later. You know, but I had to get past my own personal biases and say, God, you choose the person I'm going to talk to. I'm not going to choose the person because I'm attracted to them because they're the, it looked this particular way or they act this way, they have this, but I'm going to let you do it. How many of you know that God has called us to reach the nations? That word for nation is ethnicity. That's what it means. Ethne is the, is the Greek word. Ethne, that's every ethnic group. And if we're part of every nation, that's the call that God has on us. And it doesn't matter. Ethnic groups can be people who look a certain way. It could just be people who gather around for a particular interest. They're all interested in a a particular. God's called us to reach fraternities and sororities. You realize that? Oh, I'm waiting for for someone to rise up and say that. I never forget this young lady named Leah Benjamin at Duke University decided she was going to reach her sorority. She was a part of that particular sorority, and she said, I'm going to start something. And I'll never forget, she said, I'm going to do that. And she started it, and she started preaching the gospel to those young ladies. And in in the middle of a prayer moment, one of them broke out in tongues, started speaking in tongues. Didn't even know what it was. And then this is the weirdest thing. The other person at this particular moment started interpreting what she said. And they all just realized at that moment they got saved. (laughs) That Jesus became a part of their life. I'll never forget meeting with Prane and them telling me this story. She went on to win like 20 of her sorority sisters to Christ. And 12 or 13 of them got filled with the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit just flowing in their life. It's a powerful time. Powerful. Man, God wants to reach everybody. We can't let our biases get in the way. You know, otherwise, I mean, God could be fairly biased towards us, couldn't he? He could say, oh, well, this person, she grew up this way. She has this issue, and this man, he's got this problem in his life or whatever, and I don't know if I want to rescue them or help them, but we need to be open to whoever it is God is highlighting. Here's another one. Here's another bias we could throw out. What about if they rejected you previously? Man, that's a bias you can have. That actually happened to me. There was a guy that I, I, I came up to. I went up and, and I did a very similar thing I did with Stacy. This guy's name was Trevor. And I said, Trevor, you know, I, um, would you be open to having lunch? So we had lunch, and I shared the gospel with him. And when I finished sharing the gospel with him, he cussed me out. I'm just being honest. He used very vulgar, foul language, like beep, beep, beep. You know what I mean? Like that type of thing. He cussed me out, and then he left. And said, I don't, I don't want to, I don't, you know, I don't want to have anything to do with you again. I was like, okay, God. Now, how many of you know, in my heart, I didn't want to pray for him after that. I was just kind of like, well, just, well, well, good riddance to you then. You, that's what I said in my heart. I mean, if we're honest with ourselves, we know we have reactions like that inside, in my heart. But I love the Holy Spirit who equips us and helps us to love people. He said, Reggie, I want you to pray for him for the next two to three weeks every day. 
So I did that. I did that. And a year passed. A whole year went by. I saw him in almost the same place I saw him before when I originally met him. And And the Holy Spirit whispered to me and said, Reggie, go talk to him now. I was like, (laughs) that's funny. That's hilarious. I said, that's a crazy thought. Let me just move on to someone else. And I started to walk, and the Holy Spirit said, Reggie, talk to him now. He's ready. He's ready. I said, okay, I'm going to go. I'll I'll go talk to him. So I went and talked to him. I said, hey, man, you, you remember me? He was like, yeah, I remember you. And uh, I said, I don't know how, you know, I just wanted to see if you want to talk again. I didn't really know what to say. He said, yeah, I'll talk again. So so I said, lunch again? You want to do that again? (laughs) He's like, yeah, yeah, I'll do that. So this time, I'm not going to lie, that morning that I had to talk with him, I prayed in tongues for two hours. (laughs) I'm just being honest. I prayed in tongues for two hours. And you know what happened? Is God spoke to me and said, Reggie, now, this is dating me a little bit here and dating this whole conversation. But he said, I want you to preach the gospel to him based off of the matrix. Matrix part one, not part two. Part two is crazy. You know what I mean? Just kind of lost the reality of the gospel in that one. Just got real weird. I mean, you have to really strain to pull it out, you know, the, any type of biblical principles out of it. But matrix part one. And so he said, use that to preach the gospel to him. So I started thinking about the movie and drawing parallels and all that. And that's also prophetic evangelism. When God tells you what to say to someone in a way that they would understand it. I'm getting ahead of myself. That's my next point. But we're going to see that Jesus did that. But what happens is that I went, I went to meet with this guy. And I literally said, man, you seen that movie, The Matrix? Yeah. And I said, you know, it's such a parallel to the gospel. And I started you know, basically sharing the gospel from that movie. And he said, man, you know what? He said, everything you said to me makes sense. I was like, whoa. He wasn't mad and angry at me this time. He said, my grandmother just died, and I've had all these questions about eternity and the reality of God and all that, and and it's really hit my heart. I said, wow. I said, well, do you want what I'm talking about? He said, yes. And he gave his life to Christ right then and there. And then he said, I got to run. I got to run. And I said, oh, okay, go ahead and run. You know, and, and he left and went somewhere. And then about probably about two weeks later, um, I've been keeping up with him through uh, phone. And back then we just did email. There wasn't really text messaging back then, sorry. But I kept up with him. And he came to a prayer meeting, and that prayer meeting, my wife was actually at that prayer meeting with me as a student. She, he got baptized in the Holy Spirit. The fire of God hit him. And he said, Reggie, I need to share something with you. I said, what? He said, he said this is for the UNC students. This was at UNC Chapel Hill. He said to me, he said, Reggie, he said, that day you didn't know this, but I was going to kill somebody. I said, wait a minute, wait, wait, wait. You mean... You mean you're really upset and you wanted to really give it to someone with your words. No, he said, no, no, no. I had a weapon on me. He said, I was going to kill somebody. I said, you're really going to hurt somebody? He said, yeah, because they stole something from me. And I was going to kill them. But when, when I received 
the gospel, when I heard the gospel like that and that hit my heart, something in me changed. I just didn't want to do it anymore. And I was going to go to that person who I called my friend, who was my friend at one time but had become my enemy, and just tell them, that's it. Like, you can have whatever. You can have the thing that you stole from me and all that. And he said, I went to them and told them that, and then they gave it back to me. You wouldn't believe that, but they actually gave it back to me at that particular time. This guy ended up, this guy Trevor ended up actually becoming a campus minister and preaching the gospel to people and sharing the, the word of God. Now he's a teacher, and he's sharing, ministering through that. But you just never know. Biases. We can't allow these biases to get in the way. You know, Jesus didn't allow this. The bias here was this is a woman. This is a Samaritan. Number one, a Samaritan. They were called dogs. That's not a good term. And then, two, a woman. That, that wasn't supposed to happen. But he didn't let that get in the way of God's prompting. Jesus, to, the Holy Spirit's prompting to talk to this woman. All right, verse 10. Someone read that here. You want to read verse 10? Just verse 10? Jesus answered her, if you knew. So 12? Okay. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it, was, who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with. The well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. All right, so here's the key point here about this verse in prophetic evangelism is that we should use relevant language, not Christianese. In other words, the well was very relevant to her. She understood what the well was. She understood the well analogy. Every day at the hottest point of the day, she would come out and draw a well draw water from the well, which, by the way, was the point where no one else was there because she was feeling shameful. She didn't want anyone else to see her. And so she understood what the well was. So Jesus uses definitions and words that are, that are, uh, that are relevant to her that she can actually grasp and understand. You know, I just think about this, like, what are some examples of Christian, Christianese that we use and Christian things that are out of prophetic words that people may not understand when you're doing prophetic evangelism. You know, here's, here's a few. You have a call on your life. I don't know if everybody, anyone understands that. You know, the, the, I was just thinking about that. Uh, you're entering this particular season. Now, listen, now some of you got prophecies and you prophesy that over each other. That's completely fine. But a lot of times people in the world, um, as you're doing evangelism, they don't understand that stuff. They don't understand. What do you mean by season? You know, I really feel like you're in a period of time. Oh, I got it. You know what I mean? That particular thing. Here's another one right here. Anointing. The, God's anointed you. Anointing. Heck, half of the church don't even know what that means. <laughs> what is the anointing? You know, so I, they definitely don't. Here's another one. The hand of the Lord. You start using those words with people. They're like, what in the world is the hand of the Lord? You know, physically, I, don't, I have no, no, no idea. I'm just kind of waking you up here to some things that you may say to an unbeliever, and they don't know what you're talking about. Thus saith the Lord. That's a big. Don't ever say that one when you're out doing prophetic events. Thus saith the Lord. 
I'll never forget there was one guy I was training the prophetic, and, and uh, we were doing a little bit of this together. And every time he went, you know, I would, I would go and I'd speak to someone normal, and then he would get up. i say, your turn. And uh, he would go and speak to someone, and he would go, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> thus saith the Lord. You know, and I wanted to tell him, you know, that is so weird, man. <laughs> like, no one's going to know what that is. You know, unbelievers might think you have, like, some type of um, disease or something, some disability, doing that type of stuff. And so, literally, after three or four times of seeing me do it normal, he literally stopped me before I did it next time. He said, or before he did it the next time, he said, Reggie, it looks like. It looks like you just talk to people. <laughs> this was a revelation to him because in his church, you got to get hit by the Spirit in order to get, to get this out, right? You got to, oh, you know, hey. <laughs> mm. And he said, I said, that's right. That's right. Just talk to the people. So he, he started doing that. And I have to tell you, he's now a lawyer actually in D.C. with one of the biggest, and he is a prophet of God. He speaks to me prophetically. Powerful. He's prophesied over a number of our students. I'll bring them back. As a lawyer in D.C., delivering the word of the Lord to people. It's amazing. Amazing. Here's another one. Um, I see something over you. It's like, <laughs> something getting ready to hit me? What do you see? What are you seeing? Another one, uh, one of my favorite ones is, <laughs> is when someone repeats something over and over, over and over again. Like, you know, there's certain, um, like my brother, I, I'm not going to call out his particular movement. My brother's a part of a prophetic movement. And they end everything with amen. You know, you know what I mean? Amen. And because this amen. And if you see this amen. And if it's amen, amen. It's like, that is weird, man. It's weird. So let's just talk to people. Let's use language and relevant language they would know, not Christianese. All right, let's do uh, 13 through 15. I'll go over here. You mind reading? Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to get water. Awesome, wonderful. So what does Jesus do here, the great prophetic evangelist? What he does here is he ministers hope. Prophetic evangelism should always minister hope. Jesus encouraged her that there is something she can have that would always satisfy her. That is a beautiful thing. That is a beautiful thing. Hope inspires people to change. I love this scripture in Romans 2.4. It says, or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? Isn't that a beautiful thing? The kindness of God brings us the hope that he's in, he inspires within people. And why would I need to share that? Because I have seen it where prophetic evangelists will go out and beat people to death. And the thing that they actually want to become a Christian after that that's not going to happen. I'll never forget there was one guy I was working with from another nation. 
And he was, he just, he went out and said, this is what God said. This is what you've been doing in your life. And just, that's all he had, nothing but bad stuff. And, and the person just kind of looked at him and was like, you know, I don't really know what you're talking about. He said, no, 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 you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> his whole demeanor was wrong. I pulled him to the side and said, hey, man, listen, listen, if you allow your pride to get in the way, we will never win the war with this person. You'll think you won the battle, but you really lost. That person's going to avoid us. They're not going to want to come around us anymore because of what you're doing, what you're saying. It doesn't mean everything we need to say is, is right. And I'm getting ready to get that, get, go there in the um, next point. But um, or it's not, it, means that, it doesn't mean that everything we need, we're going to say is always going to be roses. It's always going to be something nice. And, uh, but there's going to be truth inserted, and we'll see that in a second. But it does mean it should be hopeful. It should be hopeful. That's what everyone is looking for in the world, the gospel, the good news, right? It's hopeful. We can't be this, you know, some people like, I just discern this spirit's on this person. All right, great. Well, what does God want to do with it? Cast it out, drive it out, bind it, something, and release his spirit on them. Do you understand? We have to come from the perspective of hope, or otherwise, what are we giving the world? What are we delivering to them? except for what they already have, which is despair, which is condemnation, lots of other things. All right, two more, two more points here, and then we'll end. Six, 16 and 19. I'll take questions right afterwards. Can you write it down if you have a question? Let me, let me, let me get through this. He told her, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Oh, sorry. Um, Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. This kind of balances out the hope thing, doesn't it? You know, it's the true thing. Jesus, prophetic evangelism always reveals truth. It's going to be hopeful, but it's always going to reveal truth. Jesus he actually showed her that she had been looking for satisfaction in the wrong places. That's what he was saying. The hope was, look, there's something that can satisfy you, and you'll never have to drink again, but you've been looking in the wrong places for, the, for what will satisfy you. Truth is speaking about God's, God's omniscience being released through the word of knowledge God's guidance through the word of wisdom, God's heart and desire through prophetic, and his discernment through discerning of spirits. It's literally releasing that, the truth of God through those particular gifts of the spirit. And so at the same time, we want to give hope. We also want to give truth. You know, we want to let people know that, that God knows them. And it may not be some big word. It may not be a five-minute word. It may be one word. I mean, this was very simple. Go call your husband. My goodness. You would think Jesus does say of the Lord and this and this and that when you were three and when you were five and six and seven. He could have done all that. He had one thing. He was able to get to the heart of the matter because he had been listening during the conversation. He was tuning into her heart, assessing her spiritual condition and said, here's the issue. Go call your husband. The word of knowledge came. It's powerful. Last point here, if we can read uh, 20 through 26. You want to read? O fathers, 
O fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem, this Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit of truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. Appreciate that. Awesome. It's good reading right there. Wonderful. So here's the last point. It's just very simple. Don't just deliver the word, deliver the gospel. Jesus gave the gospel. Evangelists should always go back, point back to knowing Jesus and the good news. Jesus represents, presents to her the good news. It wasn't about what you come from or where you go, but about your heart to worship God that is demonstrated through your devotion to Jesus. It's not about where you go, where you came from, not, none of that stuff. It's about the person of Jesus Christ. That's so important. I, all of these stories I shared is I wasn't just looking to deliver a word, but I was really looking for God to touch people's lives eternally. And you can't, a lot of times it's, it's sometimes we can just forget that, that really what we're looking for is the gospel. If, it's, if I'm going to prophesy through my testimony, great. If I'm going to prophesy through a word of knowledge, awesome. If I'm going to prophesy through the word of wisdom, distinguishing of spirits, whatever gifts there may be at work, that is great, but it needs to go back to the gospel because that is where the eternal change is made. Amen. Here's what I want to do because of time. I want us to go ahead and end. And then if you have questions, I can stay back for a few minutes to answer any of those questions. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Got questions. Okay, you can text them in. Look at that. If you have any questions, please text them in. That'd be awesome. All right. There we go. How many of you are getting tired of seeing this right here, hearing these announcements? If you have any questions about that, I can also talk to you. But I want to encourage you to come to Spirit School of Empowerment again where maybe you're in here, you've never done any prophetic evangelism, I will guarantee you we will do that. And we do do that in the School of Empowerment. We get a chance to actually put this in practice, and it's a, it's a wonderful, powerful thing to see it at work. You don't always get, let me just say this really quick, disclaimer, you don't always get the same type of responses. I could tell you other stories where people were either freaked out. I could tell you stories where people said, that was great. That was very helpful. And then went on. Like, there was one guy I was walking, walking by, and God gave me a word, and I spoke to him. And I bet God told me what he was going to be when he finished college and kind of his career path. And I just, and he looked at me, he said, wow, that's amazing. That's very helpful. I need to go to class. <laughs> I said, wait a minute, wait a minute. And you know what? It was it. I just said, just remember Jesus. Just remember his God. Okay. That was it. That's all, I, that's all I did, but that's a sign and a wonder to him. And so there are a lot of different reactions. It's not all, everything's not always that same reaction. I want you to know that. But I got to tell you, for any rejection I've experienced, for any kind of moments where people weren't as grateful, um, they, maybe they took the word for granted, man, it pales in comparison. 
to those men that I know, the Trevor, the Stacy, the Daniel, all of them, it just doesn't even matter. These people are loving the Lord. They're surrendering their lives to Christ, and they are living for Jesus, and I am so glad for that. And every single one of you will see people around you that will be touched and transformed through your gift. Amen. Lord, bless every person in here. Lord, release. Lord, stir up and activate that even in the evangelistic arena. I'm praying, God, in their marketplace, in their job, Lord God, in their particular fields that you do it, in their families, Lord, in the, in the grocery stores, in the restaurants, Lord God. I'm praying that, that your spirit would come on them and that they would speak the word of the Lord with truth, with grace, Lord, with wisdom, with hope. Lord God, and in a way that's intelligible, and it would rock and transform people's lives for eternity. They would come to you. I'm even speaking that people would be saved and filled with the Holy Spirit and delivered and healed as a result. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right. I can stick around a few minutes for questions.